Welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. I'm R.A. Schwartz, along with Bendel, with a special episode. We're going to title this one, The All-WNBA Team, along with a rant on positionless basketball. you want to go for, go for first your positionless basketball thoughts or all WNBA team thoughts uh let's do the teams first get that out of the way all right cool well I only did first team and I'm not gonna lie I did it pretty recently to recording this Ben's gonna break down his first team and second team but I'll just knock out my first team first I got Courtney Vandersloot Jewel Lloyd Asia Wilson Brianna Stewart and Candace Parker as my starting five for the first team what are you looking at Ben as my guards, I had Vandersloot and Enrique Agumboale. Front court, I had Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, and then I counted Candace Parker as a center. And, you know, it's a yearly thing of is Necker or Candace really the center? So I think it's fair to do that in this case, who are likely the top three or probably three of the top four for pretty much everyone in MVP. And even for Asia, too, you could probably call Asia a center. You know, she plays more minutes with Dierka Hamby than she does with Carolyn Swords. And then that lineup, who's the center? So. In this case, I don't think we're really breaking breaking the, the positional rules. Break down your second team. This is where it got a little tougher. And the guards, especially, I really wrestled with it for a while. I thought, relatively speaking, it was a pretty big field. I went with Skylar Diggins-Smith and Benajah Laney. Front court, I had Nafisa Collier, Alyssa Thomas, and then Maisha Hines-Allen at center. That's a pretty bold one. I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of your takes on this. Um, but it, but just looking at that second team lineup, I think encapsulates what this season has been about grasping your moment, taking full advantage, having some players in there who aren't the big name recognizers that we're used to hearing, um, kind of, you know, give me your thoughts on, on what went into all those different picks. Yeah. So the front court, I think actually kind of settled itself. I mean, Nafisa has got, is going to be in there. I think Alyssa Thomas was an easy choice and really, you know, her next best competition, I would think objectively, is just her teammate and Dewana Bonner, right? And Dewana just hasn't mm-hmm. been efficient enough. And AT is the one that has really risen their ceiling with their defense, which is is what allows them to win games, right? Their their offense isn't that great. And they just don't they don't have the shooting, they don't have the horses really. So I think AT's defense and just somebody else that's also just getting in the lane even though she can struggle sometimes, you know, not being able to shoot a jumper and whatnot. And Heinz on was a pretty easy pick. We covered it kind of on the previous show of just like who even would be next up if, you, if you're just sticking to centers. And then even if you wanted to just do three forwards, I don't know, is, is it a slam dunk for people to say Bonner over Heinz Allen? I'd be interested to see if there's a ballot that reads like that. But so relatively speaking, though, I don't think it's, I don't think that was really much of a struggle. It was really the guards. And I think I would maybe Enrique is lumped into that for some people. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how many. I guess the results do show us like who the the voting breakdown of how many votes at least people got. So I wonder how much of a consensus Enrique is just to be either of the top two. But like Enrique, Enrique is the best scoring guard in the league right now. Like I don't think that's up for question. And 
if you mm-hmm. want to say, and I don't know, maybe you're of this mind, but like, if you're going to say, well, they didn't win games, I'm sorry, I don't care. If you just if you just put Arike on the links, she would still produce. She'd probably be better because she'd be playing with better players. So it's like, I, I always hate that. It's just like, I, I don't like the drawing the line of like, well, your team didn't make the playoffs. So you, you're disqualified from an award. I think that's kind of silly. If, you know, I left Diana Taurasi off, Arika would be still really, be really good on the Phoenix Mercury. And I think they'd still find a way to get to 12, 13 wins with Arike on their team. And I had Skyler over Diana because Diana's pretty one-dimensional at this point. She wants to shoot pull-up threes. She is kind of going in the lane a little bit but that just clearly is not her preference anymore. I don't know how much of that is biding her time. And, you know, maybe she just totally unleashes that in the playoffs and that obviously changes things, but that doesn't change these awards, right? These awards are for what you did in the regular season. So I went with Skylar over Diana because I think Skylar gave them a little bit of an extra element of someone who's going to consistently get in the paint. And you saw, I think you saw people treating her like that. And then, I would guess Laney is the one that people might disagree with me the most on, but hey, if they well, if, I mean, if you're one of the best two-way guards in the league, if you're scoring incredibly inf- efficiently, over fifty percent on twos, forty percent from three, I think after Alicia Clark, I think she's the best perimeter defender in the league this year. That's a pretty high bar to reach when you're also scoring that well. And so I, I kind of mentioned with Diana, you know, defensively she just isn't. Phoenix as a whole, their guards just aren't very good. You know, to some degree, you have to take that into account with all of them as candidates. And then Chelsea Gray, I just don't, I think she kind of had an underwhelming season. She wasn't efficient at all. She wasn't even involved to the level that I think you would have hoped for. And frankly, that the Sparks would have needed where they could have carried a few more of these games home. So I, 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 I guess I did and I didn't struggle with these, but I guess, I guess one do you think Arike is consensus going to be in? And then I guess if it isn't Skylar or Laney, who do you think are the next the next names up? I I don't think Arike is consensus in because I don't think she gets the collective respect that she deserves based off what she's done in her first two years and and the the changes that she made from season one to season two. Not necessarily that that needs to go into effect of it, but I do think that people bog her down with this idea of like, oh, well, she was, you know, she wasn't very efficient last season and it was just give her the ball and she's going to do whatever. So it was like fluffing stats, whatever you want to call it. Fine. Um, I, I'm, I found the, the teams this year very, very hard to decide because there was so much in a, a, in a situation where it could just be a coin flip for me, obviously like, look, you didn't put Lloyd in it. I would argue that you put Lloyd somewhere in there. Um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at, but I, I agree with Laney. I agree with Heinz Allen. Um, I agree with AT needing to be up there. I obviously, you know, if you switched Bonner in there, I wouldn't be horribly upset because I do think she does deserve some respect or some accolade for what she did this season. And Nafisa Collier needs to be up there. I mean, she's been playing amazing ball since like the first, second, third game of the season. Um, so we need to give her respect. I like, I don't, there's, for me, it's more so when I look at these things, it's like, is there anything that I find disrespectful that must be changed? And I don't think so. You know, looking looking at what you've said, I don't think any of that necessarily jumps out to me and says, I have to change this. Otherwise, I'm going to, you know, lose sleep and feel like something wrong or somebody was wrong. Um, 
but I, 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 I'm weary to predict any votes um, from the the people who have been selected to vote. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off yeah. and plead the and, fifth on that response. If that's and on Lloyd, right I would say too, it's just look, I don't want to be the Jewel Lloyd hater, and like I said some of this in 2018 too, but it's like to a point if you want to be seen as an All WNBA player, it shouldn't be that easy to just say. Well, if you're having a bad game, we'll just put Sammy Whitcomb in, and I don't think we're going to lose that much. And I think that's still true for Seattle. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair claim. I'd argue that the growth that she showed this year wasn't necessarily like that, and she won a lot of games. But I, I do see the downsides that regarding uh, bad play and, and, and games where she struggled. I want to flip it over because we've touched on it a little bit. You've you've kind of hinted at it in your response to uh, the All WNBA teams. Let's talk about positionless basketball. Now, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I, I, I think you take a different approach to it, but we come to the same outcome of I'm like, there's, uh, you'll word it betterly, but betterly. Yeah, of course. You'll word it better. Um, break it down for me. Why, what is your thoughts on positionless basketball and, uh, and what should be getting attention and what isn't? Yeah, so Owen Pence had an article on the site kind of basically, you know, making the argument that the all WNBA teams should be, you know, there shouldn't be positions. So it shouldn't have, you shouldn't have to stick to two guards. And that was really. And wait, let me, let me real quickly preface this with, you know, this is kind of one of the many reasons when cider was created was to further these debates. This isn't Ben saying Owen's an idiot. Owen's thoughts aren't worth value. This is saying like, we have a difference of opinion, a philosophical difference of opinion when it comes to this. And that's part of the growth of the W is to have these debates and disagreements in a respectful sure. way. And this, and this idea had already been picking up a ton of steam too. I mean, players have said on social media stuff to the same effect that, you know, it's, hey, it's a front court dominated league. It's the forwards. I agree. The power forward is the best, best position right now. And then even center right after that, if you're talking about having one of the best players but I just hate the general premise calling for this because the all W one, like I think all-star teams and nods get way too much attention. All WNBA teams are the more important honor. It says that you in this season, you were one of the 10 best players in the league. And with that first team, you know, the purpose of it with the positions too is like, who were the best guards in the WNBA in 2013? That should be a reflection of that. And I really don't like the positionless idea, you know, one, because it, it, it like insinuates that, well, guard play isn't as important. That's nonsense. Like, look at the last four teams that won a title. Oh, the Mystics? Like, was it all about Elena Deladon and Emma Miesemann? No, Christy Tolver is one of the best guards in the league. She would have made an all-WNBA team. And she was one of the best fit, probably the best fitted one to be on that team because she would just destroy you if you switched, which you had to do to keep them from getting so many open threes. And then Natasha Cloud, one of the best two-way guards in the league, I think one of the best two or three perimeter defenders in the league, has really stepped up her offensive game, which really was the key for them. I mean, Cloud hit the biggest shot of the finals, I think, in game five, that three that she hit. I don't know if Washington wins that game if Cloud doesn't hit that shot. And you can go back further too. So just, I don't, I don't like the premise because it's like teams didn't stop playing the same number of guards. Like you still got to have good guard play if you want to win. 
And I think the trap that maybe people fall into, not painting everyone with the same brush, but I think the trap people might fall into is comparing the stats side by side. But if you're doing that, that's your fault. Stop comparing Courtney Vandersloot's stats to Brianna Stewart. What's the point of that? They're asked to do completely different things. And then the second part of that too, is I think it's just like, I think you have to stop back too and just like, and ask yourself, like, am I just like trying to like cover my bases here, you know, to like signal to, Hey, this player, like, yeah, I think you're one of the best five, but I'm going to put you on my second team. Or if someone doesn't make it right. I think that's the other thing too, where if you in a quote unquote normal season, still we're in this stretch of if there's only two spots for centers, well, one of Brittany Griner, Liz Cambage and Sylvia Fowles is going to get left off. Right. And then any other player, you might just be in tough luck, but then there are also these really weird cases of LA with Candace Parker and Nekogumake year after year, you know, who's the center in that case. But like, it's not a slap in the face if you're second team all WNBA, or if you are also considered, but don't make the team. Like, and it's like, I guess I just circle back to at the end of like, it's supposed to be hard, right? Like voting is a real responsibility that should be taken seriously. You are deciding awards that will reflect on these players' careers, right? Because then you go back, yeah, and you do this, you do the glance over, okay, this player made five all WNBA teams, this player made four. When you want to argue about who was better or you want to talk about Hall of Fame cases or just remember, you know, how good a player was. But just like, I, I think it just comes back to like acknowledge the responsibility that comes with it. It's supposed to be hard. It's not going to stop getting hard no matter how you bend it and twist it to a specific year, there's always going to be some different circumstance that comes up, but like getting rid of the guards is not the answer. I'm sorry. It's just like, I think that would just be such a ridiculous idea to think that that's a solution. I think it's the, the, again, it's like you come back to the definition. Some of these awards are impossible to define. There is no question what the definition of this is and should be in 2020. Who were the two best guards and the three best front court players in the WNBA? And then third and fourth, and then fourth through six with the second team. It's that simple. And you just have to pick. We'll take it even further. And like this argument kind of bleeds into a more theoretical, philosophical debate of, you know, positionless basketball and, you know, defining a player as a, as a number, like a one, two, three, four, or five. Um, and, and all of that jazz. And, and for me, it's like, you still put play, like there's still the definitions or the box that those players are put in. You might be able to hop out of the box for a moment and do some stuff. Candace Parker can play, you know, point guard and they call her the point forward or the point center, whatever you want to call her. Candace Parker can do that. You're, I will wait to, to agree with all of these peoples on their takes on positionless basketball when Candace Parker, want a player of Candace Parker's status, or not even status, but skill set, is playing point guard. You might see her take the ball up the court. You might see Maisha my, my Hines-Allen take the ball up the court every once in a while, but that's not what the game plan is. It's not, oh, for the whole second quarter, for the whole first half, our center, our, our five, our, our Candace Parker, our Maisha is going to take the ball up the court and she's going to start distributing the ball as needed. Candace Parker is an amazing passer, has amazing court vision, is one of the smartest players in the history of the W. No one's debating that. But just because she has those elements, like what we're all of a sudden going to like seriously consider Liz Cambage 
positionless and, and Liz Cambage is now a point guard. So, oh, when when she opted out of this season, not only were they down a center, but they were also down a point guard, and that's why they've done so blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, that's my belief. Like, there, there's going to be growth out of it. You have players like Asia who can do skill sets that aren't necessarily typical or, or Stewie or Candice, and, and there's many of these players coming through. Bella Allery is going to be a player who's going to be doing that in a few years. Azrae uh, uh, Stevens is a player who's going to be doing that. But at the end of the day, like, there's a reason these definitions or these these titles of uh, positions aren't created so that like, oh, because you're a center, you're not allowed to shoot the three or you're not allowed to take the ball off the court. We're not saying that, but there's a reason why there are these definitions, why there are these titles. And I find it almost humorous, uh, the level of of people, um, you know, disputing that and arguing about that. When Owen wanted to write the article, I said, look, I'll, I'll tell you right up, like, I disagree with you. That being said, I think it's important that you write this article because we need to have more of this discussion, more of this debate versus just some Twitter fingers when it comes to it. Well, and just like if uh, and to take it to the larger conversation again, because it's like I'm not dumping on one person who said this because I've seen this sentiment all over the place. I would ask the question too, like to the players that I've seen, you know, talk about how it's so forward dominant and all this stuff. Okay. Get back to me when you have a really good guard on your team, and then you're gonna feel like they got snubbed, right? So you know you won't be talking this, you won't be talking the same yeah. way when that's the case. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, I just I don't think it's really, I don't think it's that big of a problem, and, and just like, if you wanna, I, I just come back to like this. This seems very easy to define, like this should be a time capsule. Who are the best guards on this season? Who are the best forwards? Who are the best centers? I think there can be some different lines you can draw where if, you know, do you explicitly include centers? I think that's fair. Because again, like the makeup of some of these rosters, you know, Candace versus NECA, Natasha Howard versus Brianna Stewart, right? Like who's the actual center? That can be, you know, I think there can be some fairness to that. And then with a small forward, I think there's some gray area too, right? Like is... You know, I think Angel McCautry on the 2020 Aces was very clearly a small forward. If you were making a case for her, do you try to lump her in as a guard or a forward? So I think like consistency there can be important. Or even like Diamond to Shields is a pretty good example moving forward. You know, like does Ali Quigley's minutes, do those kind of scale back? And then if she's playing a bunch with Kalia Copper, well, then is Diamond the two or the three? And then is she going to be a guard or a forward for awards? I don't know how you answer that. I think it's important to kind of make some decisions there or even like Dewana Bonner, right? In 2018, she's the small forward, but then they make the lineup change and she's the starting power forward. That's a case where you probably just call her forward, not a guard. But like, so, I mean, there, there is some gray area where I think it's tough, but it's just like, I don't think axing the guards is, is a solution here. And I, I also don't think like, again, it's just like, you can be okay just like admitting that this is hard. Like you're not going to make everyone happy with these picks. I think that's kind of a thing we see a little too much of too, where I just, I don't think enough people that exclusively follow women's sports or like a high majority of what they consume is women's sports. I just don't think people are also have gotten used to like, yeah, like this is how it goes. Like you should be able to have debates. Like that's what makes it fun. It's not fun when everyone agrees. And if you're going to dish out mm -hmm. 25 players on the all WNBA team, 
even to go to a third one, I maybe I that can at least be my closing thought. I don't know if you had any more. I don't even think that's really a solution either. If you're going to go to 15 when there are 60 starting players in the league, if you're at 10, you're already at more than 15% of the players that start. So if you're going to go to 15, do you really need to do 25% of the starters? Need to get an all WNBA nod? I think I think it's about I think it's about right. And as we always say, for less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. Don't forget to tune in, subscribe to the Winsider Network along with Winsider Daily, a daily recap breaking down the games that just happened done by Ben Dole and sometimes when the timing works out, yours truly. Uh, it's been an amazing season for the WNBA and Ben has done an amazing job covering each game, giving you a breakdown. So if you miss a game, you can actually feel like you've watched the game. So make sure you subscribe to Winsider Daily on all your favorite podcast apps. Ben, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next time in the playoffs.